Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Okay, hello everyone. Oh, do we have a spoiler? I'm so, so excited for today's conversation. I hope you're sitting down because you're going to be excited too as soon as you hear the voice of our next guest. Welcome to the show, Rosie Acosta. Rosie, how are you? We need a clap track for that. And I'm getting already so red and hot. <laughs> Me too. I'm seeing Abeja's little tail. Tessa's cat's tail is in her hair. It's it's this is her cat's show now, mm-hmm. in case anybody was wondering. Yeah, she took it over and she was waving her little flag, which is her tail, to let us all know that this is now her show. Yeah, this is true. Well, I'm so excited to be here. I've been really loving. I think part of it too is I just love you so much and I just know you and I, I you ask such really great questions and I've really been enjoying listening to the show and listening to you host it. You've been doing such an incredible job. Wow. That means a lot coming from you. I obviously, all our listeners and fans know I have very, very big shoes to fill. And so I don't think I could receive a better compliment. Thank you. Aww. And you, you know, I love doing this. I've always been naturally curious and we have some amazing guests lately on the show. And yeah, well, and, and your podcast too, you've been having some really, really great guests. And I mean, you've been doing this for a long time too now. So it's really nice to see the growth, right? Mm-hmm. The evolution. And I remember when I first started and I'd go back and listen to some of those interviews and yes, some of them, cringeworthy and others not. Others, I could genuinely tell that I was really, really interested in the guests or I had really, really enjoyed their book. And what I've loved about hearing you host, it's every episode, you've been so excited about having them on and having these conversations. And it's just, it's really been beautiful to see. The evolution of the Radically Loved podcast. Yeah, it's been such an honor and, and what a journey. And I've learned, like speaking of being able to develop my own podcast, I just surpassed 100 episodes, which feels like such a milestone. And milestones is actually one of the topics I wanted to cover with you today, Rosie, because you and I both hit a milestone recently. Yes, we did. This year. This is definitely something I want to talk about in terms of like... Age. (laughs) (laughs) So what Tess is referring to is the fact that we both turned 40 this year. Yeah. It's a milestone. It's a huge milestone. Yeah. And okay. So I think where I want to start with this is what are your thoughts on, you know, this, the saying age is just a number. Age is relative. When I was younger and I would hear people say that, I'd be like, "Mm, I don't know if I agree with that. (laughs) And now as I get older, I'm, I guess I'm starting to reconsider and feel like maybe there's some truth to that. And I think 
I started to think about this more in depth when I listened to your most recent interview with Stephen Kotler, because he wrote a book about, it's kind of more along the lines of longevity, aging with grace, right? Yeah. And so this has been on my mind a lot and I'm assuming it's been on your mind too, but what do you think? Yeah. I mean, first of all, that book, it's called NAR Country, Gnar, Gnar Country. It's NAR Country. And yeah, Stephen Kotler, who's a friend, also a longtime mentor of mine, completely changed my thinking. I mean, truly, it really reading that book really changed how I felt. And it couldn't have come at a better moment because it's true. I mean, when I think about aging back in the day, I was always the youngest in my friend group. Always. I was always the youngest. Everybody was always older than I was. And I always enjoyed that feeling of being young, being taken care of. I was the little sister. I was the youngest friend, you know, and Tori's 11 years older than I am. And all of his friends are about the same age. And so it was always this feeling of enjoying being in that role. Right. But what I found is that when I started to ask these questions about what, what is that role? Like, what is it about youth or being young that really made me feel good? And it wasn't necessarily about the being, and I'm doing air quotes, young. It was just about the feeling of, I'm surrounded by so much wisdom and so many people that have lived through many, many iterations of their lives. And I get to learn from them because I, even when I was a little kid, I always hung out with the little abuelitas and the tias, like the older elders, the matriarchs of the neighborhood. I was the only little kid. <laughs> I, was like I love that. Hanging around them because my grandma was the one who, by the way, she just turned 90 a couple of days ago. Wow. Happy birthday, abuelita. Happy birthday, Muchas abuelita. felicidades. I love you so much. But I was the only, but she was the organizer often of these gatherings. And yeah, ever since I was little, I always felt that, that excitement of having that wisdom and that experience. But then as I got older, it it started to change. Right. And then when you go past 30, you really start to pay more attention. I feel like Mm -hmm. I remember 10, 10 years ago, right? So 10 years ago, we would have been 30. And when we turned 30, what was your mindset back then? I remember for me, it felt very much my mindset was focused on my career and what I was doing and I was teaching yoga and I was traveling and I was really wanting to build a name for myself. I had so much ambition. I was very pliable. I was very resilient. I was able to take rejection on the chin and I felt a lot more full of optimism. And what I found as life as life has its way of teaching you lessons, I found that the more that time passed, the more mature I became, the less tolerant I became to the rejection. And I wasn't as pliable and I wasn't as optimistic. And I started to really feel, especially in my my later 30s, I've talked about this before openly, Tori and I went through a really difficult fertility journey. And I think that this is sort of around the time when this was happening. I was starting to really question a lot in my life because I knew 40 was around the corner and 
I felt like I needed to really decide what it is that I wanted my life to look like at that age because it feels so mature, right? Yeah. 40 feels like so you're there. It feels like whatever whatever you've done, whatever you've been working on, you have just arrived to your life. And instead of me looking at this from the perspective of this is scary, this is daunting, this is, I'm not where I want to be. Things are only going to go down from here. And looking at it through the lens of disappointment or despair, even reading that book, because a, a lot of what was happening for me was my health, right? My health was really struggling during my later 30s. So reading that book really helped re inspire me to feel like. I could actually change things. I could actually still function at an optimum level. I could still be the best version of myself and not feel like I've lost something or I'm no longer something. Sure, we get older, things hurt a little bit more. Maybe I get I get sore. I'm going to too many classes in a row where before I could I could take two classes a day. I could do yoga. I could go for a run and then I can go I can go on the spin bike. Now I'm like, after one class, I'm good. Yeah. You know, so I feel like just to answer your question and apologies for being long-winded, I think that my perspective is now different from my younger years where I enjoyed the idea of being young and having pliability and having resilience and having optimism to where I am now, having just turned 40, feeling that re-inspiration of, wow, I just turned 40. This is so awesome. I'm so lucky. My life is so good. I feel like I've finally arrived to a place where I really don't give a Mm you-know-what. And it feels really good. Yeah, Mm, I love that so much. It's making me think of so many things. I loved what you said about being young and among your friend group and your family, being the youngest one, being the baby, and also being able to soak that in, in terms of being surrounded by wisdom. That's such a beautiful perspective. I really appreciate that. And I also resonate with it because I was the baby in my family and always surrounded by adults. I spent a lot of time with adults. I also think about that now. Well, throughout my life, I think generation by generation, I could come up with an example of how that's positively impacted me to be surrounded by wisdom. I've always looked for mentors. Rosie, you've been one of my mentors for such a long time. I feel so grateful that... When I look to people who have been in my life, who've been in their 50s, 60s, 70s, I have really positive role models. So when we think about aging with grace, the longevity, optimizing our health, I've never gotten a sense that it's too late. And I'm so, so Mm -hmm. grateful for that. I've always had people in my life who have shown me that it is possible to be at your peak in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond to maintain a level of mobility and agility and resiliency 
into your golden years. And so I love this body of work in our country. Another book I recently read was Outlive by Dr. Peter Atia. Highly recommend that too, if you haven't listened to it yet, because there's just so much hope in, you know, the things that habits and behaviors that we have in our current daily lives that we do every day that add up to the sum total of what our life looks like into our later decades. And it can be in part, you know, there are certain things like genetics and disease and stuff that do come into play, but I do think that we also have a lot of autonomy over what our life looks like. Yeah. So I love that. It's such a yeah. picture. Well, and one of the other things too, that I think is worth mentioning is when you're in your thirties, you're able to make so many mistakes. It's allowed for you to, to make mistakes. And I feel like as you get older, we are less tolerant and less forgiving to ourselves when we make mistakes, mm. right? As opposed to when we're young and it, it's just something that we could let roll off of our backs and keep moving forward. I was thinking about that right before my birthday. I kept saying it. I kept I kept telling Tori like, this is my last week in my 30s. <laughs> okay, this is my last last Monday of being in my 30s. This is my last Tuesday of being in my 30s. And I would say it with such excitement because part of me feels like I've so been looking forward to this age because when I was younger and I was doing this work, I wasn't really taken seriously because of my age, because nobody wants to learn wisdom from a 20 year old. (laughs) Nobody wants to learn about life from a 30 year old, unless you're a 20 year old or another 30 year old. Right. So I think for 20 years, since I've been in the world of wellness, to me, this age marks the sort of beginning of arriving into the space and feeling like I have the internal confidence of, oh yeah, like I did that in my 20s or I did that in my 30s. And I feel more confident now than I did in my 20s or my 30s, right? And I think that most women that I know have that same stance. They have that same grounded feeling within them where they feel like they've arrived into this place of stability. And also, in addition to that, I did get a little bit down during that week too, because I think it's important for us to be able to mourn our past life, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to mourn because I do this thing for my birthday every year. I go back and I try to remember every birthday. So I have this little photo album of the earliest birthday picture that I have, which aren't many. I don't have a lot of pictures of myself as as a child. But I think like starting from the age of like 10, I have images of, you know, every birthday. And I just, on my birthday, I like to go back and just greet that person, that version of myself that was 12 and 13 and 15 and 20 and 25 and 30 and 35. And even though there's a little bit of this melancholy energy to it internally, Mm -hmm. 
there is this reverence that we can connect to honoring our path and everything that we've gone to, to get to this place. And I think that approaching every year, every birthday in that way to revere your life's journey is a really beautiful way to also in a way mourn that version of yourself, but also close the door, finish the chapter to the life that is now transforming to something else. Mm, That's such a beautiful invitation. I love that. What a good idea. That makes me think of, I think I've said this before. It it might've been several episodes ago, maybe back when we were doing Wisdom Wednesday, (laughs) but it always makes Wisdom Wednesday. I know. Oh, we should we talk about what's coming up? Maybe we'll talk about that next, what's coming up. But before we go there, What you just said made me think of this thing, this quote I heard. I was sitting on the Max one day. I was commuting into work and the Max is a a mass transit system in the Portland area. And we had stopped for kind of a long time at this one stop. And the conductor, I think he just wanted to lighten the mood or just make everyone not so cranky. (laughs) So he gets on the intercom and he's like, hey, everybody, we're going to be here for a little bit, but I just wanted to wish you a happy day and give you some advice and He was quoting a famous basketball coach. I can't remember the guy's name, but he said, here's my advice to you today. Every day, if you can do these three things, this is a recipe for a happy life. And those three things are number one, think deeply. Number two, laugh heartily. And number three, be moved to tears by your emotions, whether they be happy or sad. And that last part is what always got me. And I feel like that's the invitation that you're giving us is that we don't always have to you know, I think we want to be in the positive. We want to be in the bliss. We want to feel good. Yes. I think that's a great thing, but also to honor the melancholy, the sadness, the, the sorrow that is present and allow it to be there. And we don't have to wallow in it certainly, but can we acknowledge it and think about, you know, what do we miss from our younger years and, and what do we, what do we feel nostalgic for? And is there grief to be had? And yeah, to let ourselves feel that it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, look, it's easy to get wrapped into the cycle, the downward spiral of, I wish I would have, I wish I could have, or, oh my God, look at, look at how cute this outfit was. Why didn't I appreciate yeah. myself back then? I remember I had, you know, I've had a, I've had a tenuous relationship with my body for many, many years. And, you know, I I talk about it in, in the book at length. But when I look back at that person, that that young woman in her early 20s or even late 20s, and I'm like, you are amazing. Like, you're so beautiful. You're so happy and healthy. And you were so unhappy. And you did not like what you saw in the mirror. You know what I mean? This is quite often a theme for a lot of women, especially now women that I work with still as clients or students of mine. When you look back and you think, what was my mindset like back then? And one of my friends said this really funny thing. She was like, because we were talking about this right before my birthday and I was asking her, she's five years older than I am. So she was turning 45 the week after my birthday. And 
she was like, I don't necessarily want to be the person I was in my 20s. I'd love to take the wisdom I have now and just go be her, (laughs) be my 20 year old self with the wisdom that I have now. You know, she's had several knee surgeries. You know, she, she's has a lot of mobility issues and we were having this conversation and it's, you know, the mind, I'm going to go back to the quote. I always say the mind always wants what's better. We always want what's better. 10 years from now, we'll look back at this conversation and think, yeah. Wow. Like how naive were we? <laughs> or, you know, I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my 40 years has been to have the humility to know that I don't know anything. When I look back at my 20-year-old self and I just shake my head and I'm like, "Man, you did not you didn't know anything. You were so naive." I look back at my 30-year-old self and I'm like, ah, like so naive. And what what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to degrade myself in any way. I'm not trying to shame myself or I'm not trying to young shame myself. Let's get that clear. I'm saying it in the way of being able to have the self-reflection now to know that at that time, man, did I worry about things that didn't matter. I spent so much time worrying about things that just didn't matter and have these feelings of whether it be jealousy or comparison or, you know, this endless ambition to succeed or get to some place or, and I would suffer because of it. And now when I look back, I just think like, what a waste, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is a great, and it's a great reminder to where I'm speaking for myself, where I am now, whenever I get caught in that cycle of worry or comparison, I don't really go for the jealousy much anymore because I just have been able to transform that part of myself in a way where, yeah, maybe I I get irked mm-hmm. by something like course yeah I want to go to the Beyonce concert everybody's going but you know whatever <laughs> no jealousy is such a hot topic though I mean that that really like makes me perk up because I don't know if if you experience it this way but it seems like for me it was a function of my youth almost it was like a byproduct of my youth that I was very very jealous all the time in my intimate relationships okay it was maybe that's more of a self-confidence byproduct but did you experience jealousy in that? Yeah, I think we've that talked way. about this privately. I think you and I have talked about this before. Yeah, I was in my 20s. I was supremely jealous. I let that jealousy gremlin completely take me over. I was reactive. I said a lot of things I didn't mean. I was jealous in my romantic relationship. I was jealous in my professional workspace. I was just... I was just consumed by it because I felt so inadequate Mm. and I felt so unseen. And this is, you know, look, we can always trace it to our childhood, you know, like look at the way that I grew up. I grew up in East LA in a really low income environment where I didn't get to have the new things all the time. I didn't get to go on all the field trips. I didn't get to 
go back to school with like new binders and new, do you remember Lisa Frank? Yes. Oh my gosh. Lisa Frank. I still, I still love the Lisa Frank yeah. stuff. And it was always, you know, I didn't get to do all that. And so I think as I got older and I started to work and I started to create a life, I still had that chip on my shoulder, which still comes up to this day, if I'm being completely honest, mm-hmm. that chip on my shoulder with regard to, you know, like having privilege, you know, I go straight to that. If something's not working, it's like, oh, they're old college buddies. That's why they got that job. Or do you know what I mean? It's like, there's a little bit of that energy that's still there that I have to check. You know, I have to check her because she'll get sharp and I have to be able to recognize and breathe and ask myself, where that's coming from, where's that jealousy coming from? And you said it just a second ago, it could have been a symptom of insecurity. It could have been a symptom of low self-esteem or not having enough confidence, but I feel like that's implicit when we're young. Yeah. So interesting. I love talking about feelings. (laughs) I feel like I diverted you from where you were going with jealousy, but I always want to jump on that topic and be like, well, let's talk about it. (laughs) If you are okay with this, I'd like to talk about, I think we've skirted around this a little bit, but what are we looking forward to? What are you looking forward to in this next decade in your life? You can go beyond the forties into your fifties, sixties. Are there any goals that you have, any accomplishments that you want to achieve, anything that you hope to learn? Oh, those are a lot. I know that's a lot. Those are a lot. Uh, Okay. I'll do my best. I want to first address the fact that obviously I'm not hosting this show right now (laughs) and you've been doing an incredible job and I'm so grateful for you. And I, I could not think of anybody else who would be able to do this. You know, we have such great listeners. Everybody that's here has been here. Many of you have been here for many, many years. And I feel like it's important for me to say that I really value and appreciate everybody who supported this idea from the beginning, because that's all this podcast was. It was just an idea. And then it just turned into this entire thing, (laughs) community, entity. So I just want to say that to start, I have been working on other projects. And those of you that follow me on social media, I'm most active on Instagram. Actually, no, that's not true. I'm most active on my newsletter because I do that every week. With social media, I get on a tangent and then I go away and then I come back and then I go away. I'm a little not as consistent, but consistently inconsistent on Instagram. (laughs) And so those of you that have been following along, you know that I have been teaching for Headspace and I've been hosting two of their shows, both Radio Headspace and Dear Headspace, both of which have been really awesome and fun to do. And I'm I'm co-hosting, you know, all the other teachers are also on there and they have really great outside experts that come in. And it's been a really fun learning experience for me. I needed to take a break over the summer because I was feeling really taxed. And after, you know, doing this show since 2016, I felt the need to just take a beat and really 
figure out exactly what I wanted the next 10 years of my life to look like. And that's what I've been doing. I've been really trying to figure out where I want to go and what I want to do and how I want to do it. And I'm a huge believer in being able to reinvent yourself. And I really do think it's important for most people to reinvent themselves every seven to 10 years. So I think we go in like seven year cycles, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe that we shed every cell in our body. Like every seven years, you're a completely even different being. (laughs) Everything is completely changed. And I think it's really nice for us to be able to do some self-reflection and to ask the important questions. Is what I'm doing fulfilling me? Is what I'm doing making me happy? Is what I'm doing providing a living? Is what I'm doing providing value to others? And I think for me, those questions are have always been really important to me. And I think my journey of being a teacher and then becoming a podcast host and then becoming an author, I've just seen so many different versions and answers to those questions. And it's okay that they change over time. But I think for me at this point, I really love the idea of scaling back and focusing on less projects in a more immersive way. Before it was me doing the podcast and then I'm on tour and then I'm doing speaking and then I'm doing workshops and I'm doing teacher training 200, then I'm doing teacher training 300 and then I'm doing yoga nidra and then I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing you know, guest hosting and now I'm writing a book and now I'm doing... I think at this point in my life, I really have to reconfigure everything and yeah, just, you know, open the door to different possibilities, you know, open the door to really ask the questions. Am I doing what I really want to do? And don't get me wrong. I love what I do. I love my career. I love teaching. I love that I am in a industry that focuses on the betterment of the self that focuses on wellness, that focuses on our ability to become better. But there's another part of me that also loves being creative, that loves storytelling, that loves writing in not a self-help way. Mm-hmm. And I really want to open that door this decade. I I want to explore what that looks like. I want to be able to see what else is there. You know, like what else lives in my brain? What other hobbies am I into? Like what other things aside from what I do on the daily can I explore? Some, maybe this is like my midlife crisis. (laughs) Like maybe that's what that is. And And I welcome it. I think it's great. I think we should all have a midlife crisis at every stage of our lives. So going back to answer your question right now, what I'm working on, I'm still hosting Radio Headspace. I'll be hosting at the beginning of 2024. I'm still hosting on Dear Headspace. There is another podcast that I am working on actively, which Tessa will also be a part of. And hopefully we are able to get the production on that going 
mid fall. And I am working on a second book. So those are the things that I'm I'm currently working on, hence why I've not been here. That's a that is a lot still. I mean, you're listing a lot that you did in your 30s. I think where I'm going with this, I'm gonna try to articulate this clearly. There's this pondering I often have about intrinsic value versus extrinsic value. I ask myself this question a lot in terms of how do I show up in my family dynamic? What do I contribute to the relationship in the household? Oftentimes that defaults to like financial because I've taken that, y'all know, that turn into entrepreneurship and having to develop that financial acumen kind of like from the bottom up. And so it's a little bit unsettling. And I think what where when I listen to you talk about these things, Rosie, I always kind of wonder, there's that line between creativity and what lights you up and what you really are interested in exploring just for exploring something for the sake of creativity and not being attached to the outcome of what happens, like an external accolade, which I would consider more extrinsic value versus the creative pull to do this thing for doing the thing for the sake of doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Which is the intrinsic value. I'm not sure what the specific question is around this, but I guess I wonder how, I think for me, is that's what I struggle with is walking that line between how do I settle into this belief? Can I believe that I am intrinsically valuable just by showing up and getting up in the morning and doing the thing that lights me up? Whether that be like, I'm going to sit on the porch and read my book today or I'm going to go for a hike today, or I'm going to produce something that is a value for other people to consume or enjoy. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I, I, I still don't. Is there a question? Well, that's what I'm trying to articulate. I think the question for me is, it seems like when I look at somebody like you, you seem like you have a nice balance of being happy with producing something because you have this creative desire. There's an intrinsic urge. That isn't really tethered to, and this might be a big assumption, Rosie, so correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like it's really tethered all the time to what am I going to get out of this? Is somebody going to pay me for this work? Yeah. And so I wonder, how do we walk that line between feeling like I am valuable because I have breath in my body, because Mm. I am alive on this planet. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. tie it to what I produce. Yeah, I think, I think, yes. Okay. I follow. I follow now. And just, yes, to answer your question, it's half right because the other half is I have a mortgage to pay and I need to do things for cash. (laughs) And it's, it's important for us to be able to do that too. You know, fortunately, I, I really love what I do and I'm fortunate enough to be able to make a living doing it. But I really feel like that's, it's a result of, doing the latter, you know, what you said mm-hmm. after that. It's a result of me waking up in the morning and just deciding, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to spend my time. I didn't spend so much time worrying or trying to figure out how I'm going to make money. Mm-hmm. I think for that, at that time when I did it, I was still working. I still had a full-time job. And it's funny because I find that when we have that full-time job security, the mind always wants what's better. I have so many people, when you have that job, all you're thinking about is, I wish I could just take that training. I wish I could just like 
be a yoga teacher and travel around the world and lead retreats or, you know, have my own practice and work with people, or I wish I could start this nonprofit foundation, or we have the desire because we're not being fulfilled in one way, but we are being fulfilled in another way, right? There is the security of having whatever security you have, having your job. The opposite is becoming an entrepreneur, not having the security. And then you're so stressed out about not being able to pay your bills that you're not necessarily focused on the intrinsic desire anymore. You're focused on the external. And so it is a double-edged sword, I think. And from what I understood, the question essentially is, how do we find that middle path? How do we find that balance? And the implication was that you said that I seem to have the balance. I'm trying. I try. And I think that that's the answer is I do my best to get to that point where I could wake up in the morning and write for 30 minutes to an hour. And then the rest of the eight hours is spent on calls, doing other work things, doing admin work, creating content for my job, which is something that I love to do. But at the same time, it's I do have a job, right? So it's not like Rosie just created this entity entrepreneurship, this business that's its standalone thing. Like I need to be able to actively acquire jobs so that I can do what I love to do. And it's not easy. I I think, I don't know, I'm starting to have a little bit of a sort of existential crisis with the word balance. Mm-hmm. You Ooh, know, tell me, tell me. About yeah. It. So for many years, and I wrote about it, it's in the first two chapters of my book. I think it's actually chapter two, but where I talk about the word balance means to dance. And you've heard me say that before, right? So I don't believe that for me, the balance is holding two things equally. I believe it's our ability to be able to shift our weight from one place to another and to not let this over towering plate fall off our hand. But I feel like maybe I've just been doing this for too too long or I am in that transitional phase in my life where I feel like so many beliefs of mine are changing and evolving. And it's interesting because it's that moment of the metamorphosis between the chrysalis and the monarch butterfly. You know, I can feel myself efforting and pressing and pulling and extending and jarring my way out of this cocoon and feeling like, yeah, I don't actually know that I feel that way anymore. Or I don't know. I said this, but I don't, I don't know that it applies to me now. This this version of myself that clearly I know is different because my body's different. My mind is different. My voice is different. My priorities are different. I think that instead of thinking about it being an act of finding balance, everything is finding balance. You know, I built a career on guiding people to finding balance, truly, physically. I mean, think about what yoga is. You know, it's the union between mind, body, and spirit, but it's our ability to compassionately arrive at a state of 
balance, posturing, different postures, different sides, new ways of thinking, new ways of standing, new ways of being. So when we arrive to this place now as a new person, you have to ask yourself, how have your beliefs changed? Have your definitions evolved? Have you gone backwards? Have you took a few steps back? And I think those are all really valid. So going back to my existential crisis of what I believe balance is now, I think balance for me now is my ability to just stay present, Mm -hmm. right? It's like my ability to just be present with whatever is here right now. That's balance Mm -hmm. or the new definition. That's the new balance. Balance. Hopefully we don't get sued. There's like a new balance brand, right? Yes. Well, athletic gear. Okay. They're not listening to this. Tennis shoes. Tennis shoes. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're okay. So I want to be mindful of your time. And I always have a hard time because there's so many questions I want to ask. And as you talk, more come up. And so whittling it down to one last question, knowing that there will be more of these conversations because guess what? Spoiler alert. We get to have Rosie on the show about once a month going forward. Hell yeah. Yes. That's my like. I'm so excited, fist Fun. shaking my fist. <laughs> so I think I think where I'd like to wrap us up is around the idea of so you you were just talking about it. So many things have changed. Your opinions have changed about things. And oftentimes when we have conversations like this, I always like to ask things like, well, what advice would you give to yourself 20 years ago? What advice would you give to yourself? 90 years from now, what kind of things would you consider on your deathbed? Like uh, regrets. I wish I would have done that. Instead of going there, I'm wondering, because I am I feel like, so you're having an existential crisis about balance and what that means. I'm kind of having this existential crisis about giving advice to probably most often younger people. Mm-hmm. I think we talked a little bit about this being like naive in our youth, but I find so much wisdom in youth. And I think I get really lovely opportunity to experience this with my nephew who is 21 and he has so much wisdom to share and he's, you know, young, he's half my age, <laughs> but he has so much wisdom to share. So I feel like, what advice would I give him? I try, he comes home and he'll have some sort of issue. And I'm, what I really find myself wanting to do with him is just listen. And like allow him to kind of struggle a little bit and figure it out and hopefully provide a sense of support. But I don't know that I want to give him advice anymore. So I'm curious what you think about giving advice to people in general. That's kind of a big question. So yeah, I I don't know that I give a lot of advice. I think I do the same thing. I'm a really good listener. I've always said that. That's one of my, I would say, most valuable traits. I can sit there and I can actively listen. And my job and why I felt I had so much success as a coach that I could confidently say that is because I was such a good listener. And oftentimes our role is to just ask the right questions. I don't know. It's a matter of giving advice. Like I never liked getting advice. I liked observing. I liked hearing people talk to each other. 
I liked hearing how people felt about certain situations. I like to hear how people process certain emotions. And when they didn't provide that in the context, I would ask, how did that make you feel? So for me, it's it's always been a, yeah, I feel that. I get that. I, I get where you're at. And you are such a wise teacher, Tessa. Like you really do have such a beautiful, unique way of listening and providing insight and being non-judgmental. And so I really think that Christopher gets that from you. I think it's noble that you're asking the advice question, but I feel like you already kind of answered your own question. <laughs> you know? Ah. Yeah. So the way it is, is usually it's like swirling around in my head and we just have to say it out loud to realize, oh, I already know. <laughs> yeah. Right. But most of the time, this is what I would always tell everybody, anybody that would ever work with me, a student, you know, this student, client, everything I'm going to say to you, you already know. There's nothing new that's going to come out of my mouth. Either I'm going to validate something that you already intrinsically know, or I'm going to say something that somebody else at some point in your life has told you. And I think that our work is really to just listen and provide support and non-judgmental support at that. Yeah. I think that that's the one thing that I'd like to really work on, not the non-judgmental aspect, because I feel like I, I mean, I work with a lot of different people, all walks of life, but I feel like I can get very dominant on a belief. And I feel like now that I'm in my forties, I feel very, very opinionated. And that I think can come off as shutting down or not allowing for a dialogue to happen. And I would really like to work on that because you do sort of earn this place. I think as we get older, we earn our position. And I think that's valid. I think that's where the idea of respecting your elders comes in because we've done the time. We've paid for the crimes. <laughs> we've done the time. We've paid our penance. But I do still feel very much a desire to be open and allow new ideas and yeah, be non-judgmental when people make mistakes. That's so beautiful. Thank you. So you have some exciting things coming up in the fall. This is when this episode will air. We're really not that far away from it. Anything you want to share? Um, oh, wow. Invite people to join? Yes, I have a my first yoga and meditation retreat since 2020. <laughs> it's <laughs> happening in Italy. We're going to Tuscany September 23rd through the 30th. It's going to be an incredible week of community, self-reflection, yoga nidra, meditation, home-cooked Italian meals, adventuring, those of you that drink wine, wine tastings. It's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be a great, so far it's it's a great group. And uh, there are still a couple of spaces available. So those of you that are listening, if you want to come on board, definitely let us know. You can actually send an email to info at radicallyloved.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram. And aside from that, next year, hopefully a, a new book. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for that. And there is also a workshop I'm doing with my dear friend and writing coach, Jeannie Faulkner, October 7th. And it's Saturday, two Saturdays in a row. I believe it's the 7th and the 14th. It's called The Mindful Writer, where we're going to talk about the process of publishing a book. We're going to talk about writing book proposals, the ups and downs of writing. And Jeannie has this really beautiful method she uses. She used it with me. We did it for my first book. We're doing it again for my second, where she really helps sort of mind map your ideas and help you get to what your book is about. So if you have a desire, if you love writing, if you want to start a blog, if you want to start a podcast, even if you want to write a novel, if you want to write a book, this workshop is for you. It's only $49. And if you can't make it live, you get access to the replay for 30 days. So you can get that info on my Instagram as well. And all of that will be in the show notes and the drop oh, down let's below. Get the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so subscribe, much, Rosie. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And um, we love you. Ditto. Echo. Love y'all. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.